And welcome back to episode three of Cheap Seats, the one and only sports podcast produced by the WDBC Dragon Broadcast Program. Man, today we got a good one. We got a very special person on this year. We had him on last year, back when everything was virtual. I think that was the last episode right before like the holiday break. Yes. He does radio play-by-play for the Detroit Lions. He's the main Fox sports anchor in Detroit. It's the one and only Dan Miller. How you doing, Derek? What's going on, man? Doing good. You want to show us that sign-up that's posted behind you? Uh, what do you got there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, just a little something. Motor City Legends, Al Kaline, Isaiah Thomas, Barry Sanders, Steve Eiserman. Nice. Um, just a little something to, to get the room going. There's stuff around the room, just Detroit sports. So I know last time we talked, you said that you were back in the office. How's that, go- how's that going for you? It's good. It's good. It's good to be back in the office. It's much easier when you can, you know, see people and talk to them and read body language and and do our job that way versus trying to, you know, there's so much in terms of delays that you have when you're using Skype or Zoom or something like that to to work. So um, we're just thankful that we're all back in the same building and, you know, can't always be right next to each other. But, you know, we've, 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 come far from where we were a year ago let me just say um when we had him on last year like I said that was December I was going through people's names trying to just find a really cool person to get on cheap seats I think at that point if you remember Dawson we had um the former Pittsburgh Steelers player on I can't think of his name right now we had him on we had um Griffin Troy and LHS alum I come to this guy's name Dan Miller it was on the Fox student website. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll email him. Like one in a million chance he emails me back. I might get an email. I got an email back from him, like maybe 30 minutes to an hour later. And then we had him on and here we are having him on again this year. Well, I appreciate it. And you know what? I think what you guys are doing is great. And I, and I think it's great experience. And I think it's, you know, you love to see people, working hard and trying to make something of themselves and get experience. And I was in your shoes once. So, um, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing. And if I can help in any way, I'm glad to do it. You, you don't understand how awesome that is to hear that. But let's get into some sports. I want to talk about kind of the elephant in the room. Probably one of the biggest college football games, number six ranked Michigan going up against number eight ranked Michigan State. Now, I got to ask you. Who are you rooting for in this game? You know, I don't really root for either side. I'd get in trouble if I did that because I got too many people. I mean, even though I'll I'll get tweets from both sides telling me that I'm rooting for the other side, I'm really not. I'm rooting for the story. It's, um, you know, if one of these teams does well, it's good for us. So we're rooting for a good game. And then at that point, we're just rooting for both teams to continue to play well. And this thing will take care of itself. But, um, you know, look, I got I got three Spartans and. There's plenty of Michigan State in, in my house just because of my kids, but uh, I, I really don't root for either side. It's uh, when one team does well and we have something great to cover, um, that's just that's a boost for us at Fox, too. So that's usually what we're looking for. Man, talking about something great to talk, to cover, let's talk about that Michigan State running back, number nine. And Walker, the transfer. From Michigan State, man, having five touchdowns in that game against Michigan, he had, um, I believe that's the most touchdowns in a game for a player 
from Michigan State against the University of Michigan. Do you see this guy? He's a junior right now, so he's got one more year before he – he's a senior? No, he won't be back. <laughs> you think uh, there's, no, there's no way he's going to – he'll be playing on Sundays next year. I mean, look, uh, especially playing that position – um, especially if he wins a Heisman, which he might, um, you never know, but you know, you, you can't go back, at least in my opinion, to college and rack up 250 more carries or something like that. You're just taking mileage off yourself and taking unnecessary r- risk for injury. So makes sense. you know, I got to yeah. think that, that whatever happens, he's probably headed out of there. And, you know, I think he'd be my opinion, foolish not to, just because I don't think his stock will ever be this high again. Yeah. yeah Can't I, get I'll any pick, higher. I'll piggyback off of you, Dan. Like, you know, you're risking basically like, all right, I got good draft stock. You know, I'm going to go play another year. And then a lot of those players that, you know, you've seen, you know, go back for that one more year and man, they just fall right off the cliff. Like what's going on? Like you had a great year last year. What's going on this year? And and you, know, you could be a victim of what goes on around you. You could be a victim of the team having a bad year, the offensive line having a bad year, the quarterback having a bad year, whatever it is. If your stock is that high, there's just no reason to, you know, risk it because ultimately you're talking about, you know, a chance to provide security for yourself, your family. And um, if that goes away, it, it's, it's not as lucrative as it might be. So, uh, it's nothing against college. It's nothing against Michigan State. It is only that it's got to be, in my mind, in his best interests if things continue the way that they are at this point, you know, and, and hopefully they will, that it's just the best decision. Yeah, looking at some players in the NFL, you talked about it, especially in the running back position, you take that mileage. Running backs are traditionally that that position in the NFL where they're not going to last like a quarterback, like Tom Brady's been in the year for 20 some odd years now mm-hmm. where you're not going to see a running back in the league for that long. Look at Derek. Perfect. Perfect example for me is Derek Henry. I pulled up his stats from last year. And so far this year, last year, he had 378 rushing attempts this year in eight games. He had 219 attempts. That's over 600 attempts between the two years. You're just taking that mileage off the guy. And then look at what happened to him now. He had, I believe, the lower body injury. He's out for most likely the rest of the year. That kills the Titans' chances to, I think, be a contender in the AFC. There's a really tough AFC. And if I'm Kenneth Walker right now, I look at, like, okay, I'm not going to be – I'm not invincible. Let's face it, players nowadays, same with 50 years ago, they're not invincible. There's just, they're going to get injured at some point in time. You'd rather see him get drafted and maybe, you know, the third, fourth round this year versus get injured at Michigan State. Or like you said, Dan, had that off year at Michigan State next year where they don't do as good as they did this year. And then he drops back to like a fifth, sixth round pick. Yeah, you take all the information that you can get. You make the best decision for yourself and for your family. And I, I just can't see where uh, the the decision to come back is because you're looking for something to to raise your draft stock or maybe to continue your college experience. But I think if you're if your goal is to get to the NFL and maximize that, then there's really no other option for him at this point. Switching from one sideline to the other on that game, let's talk about the two running backs. From Michigan, Blake Corum and Dwayne Haskins. Do you think that's one of the best running back rooms in college football right now? Or do you think we well, still have more to see from that pair? 
Yeah, I think you got to see more. I mean, look, that was the brightest lights that they played under this year. and They didn't have a particularly good game. Now, that's not all on them. There's a lot that goes into that. So I, I, I think it's tough coming off that one um, with Corum having a huge drop as well. I think it's tough to come off that and say, okay, that's the best running back room in the country. I'm not, you know, I, I just I can't do that. It's, it's based on performance, and there's some recency bias there to be sure. But, you know, what they do against Ohio State or Michigan State, Penn State, those are the games that, you know, are going to dictate where things go for how you're judged. I mean, you can rack up yards in the games that you should win, but it's the 50-50 games that really define you. Dawson, thoughts? Yeah, it, you know, one half of football, you know, that second half for Michigan, you know, really turned the tide in that game. And you, you really can't stack up a pair of running backs just on one game performance. You know, they, they got huge games coming up. You still got Ohio State. You still got Penn State. You know, you still got those key games where, you know, if they shine in those key games, they might find their way back up to the top again. But that's just – They might, but there, I mean, there's – there's no award for best running back room in the country. The award is yeah. for winning, and that's what you ultimately yep. have to do. So, um, look, Kenneth Walker was the best running back on the field in that game. It wasn't close, and he need you know this isn't this isn't a story about you know Corum or or Haskins. It's a story about the team that won. And right. you're right. It was, it was a bad second half for Michigan. And, you, you know, you can talk about all the things, officiating, whatever you want to talk about. But they had a 16-point lead. They gave up a touchdown and a two-point conversion and a touchdown and a two-point conversion. They fumbled after they got a three-point oh, lead. Yeah. They, they made enough mistakes that they have to look inward. Um, not to say they're in a discussion about some of the other things that happened, but uh, there's enough that went wrong with them that they need to, uh, you know, First look at, okay, man, we had a lot of chances to still win this game and overcome anything that we say might have worked against us. But you also got to look at coaching in that game as well. I'm not putting all the blame on Harbaugh for that game, but you got to think about he's two and nine at Michigan on the road against AP ranked teams. He hasn't beat Ohio State yet. He's beat Michigan State, what, twice in five or six years. You, if I'm the athletic director at Michigan, I might start thinking about, okay, it's time to move on from Harbaugh because you want to see Michigan win another national championship. If you're the athletic director at the U of M, you want your goal is to win national champions for your program. You got, um, oh, who's, I can't think of the name of the basketball coach right now. Um, Jawan Howard. Howard. You got Jawan Howard, who's proving that he's turning the Michigan basketball program around and that they're going to be contenders in the Big Ten. And then you look at the football side of it, Hardball being two and nine on the road against AP ranked teams. If you're going to make it into the college football playoffs, you're going to play the Clemsons. You're going to play the Alabamas. You're going to play the Georgias. You're going to play teams like Ohio State that are really tough. And you're going to go into those hostile environments and you got to find ways to win. And right now, Hardball isn't showing the ability to do that. Well, yeah, and you gotta you gotta get to a Big Ten championship before you can even worry about playing those other teams in a playoff or something like that. So there's no question they got a lot of work to do and. Uh, they still have a path to get where they want to get this year. They need some help and they have to keep winning. But, um, you know, it, it's you're right. The numbers don't add up to a team that is a, a national title contender. And if that is what Michigan wants, they have to take a good long look at it. And, um, or they can look at it and say, you know what, we're OK with being 10 and 2 and 
trying to beat our rivals and we're going to keep grinding away at that. So there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And then the question becomes, if not Harbaugh, who? So there's, there's, there's a lot of season left and then some, some hard decisions that have to be made that are, are made for a lot of different reasons and maybe not just the simple ones that we throw out there. Yeah. I'll add on to that. You know, if you're in Michigan right now, you know, Harbaugh, you know, looking at the remainder of the calendar, you know, you're only we're looking at the calendar in the rest of the season, you're only really playing one ranked team, and that's Ohio State, last Ohio game State. of the season. But going on the road at Penn State is a different experience. You know, Penn yep. State is really hard to win on the road. You know, those Penn State fans, man, they, they really hype it up. And, you know, they're probably going to, you know, when Michigan comes to town, hey, you know, they lost the state. Hey, we, you know, we knocked off Wisconsin too. And, you know, they're like, all right, you know, we can measure right up to Michigan. You know, that's what their Penn State's like. All right, you know, this is going to be, be the week to knock off Michigan, week before Ohio State. You know, that's kind of, you know, ruin the fun for the Michigan fans. But it's, look, there's a, there's a lot left that could happen in this oh, season yeah. and for there's all three left. of these teams. There's and, a lot left you know, that Ohio State's still trying to play their well. way into – Ohio State's still trying to play their way into the playoff. Michigan State's in the playoff, but they got a lot of work just to stay there. So oh, yeah. we, we've this was one big game, and there's a whole lot of big games still coming. Which, the, I'll, ahead, I'll, throw this out, I'll throw this out there. Michigan State this weekend is taking on Purdue, Purdue, which they knocked off number two Iowa earlier in the season, which, I mean, they didn't just, you know, squeak by Iowa. They woke them up. They, yeah. You got you to be they, careful this weekend. And it, it, look, you need to be careful every game. If you're not ready, oh, you'll yeah. get beat. And, you know, so far, Mel Tucker has gotten his team ready. You know, um, they've had some close calls. Certainly uh, the, the Nebraska game could have gone the other way very easily. But Indiana nonetheless, you're, you're in the position where you want to be. The thing about Michigan State and the Purdue game is the big question. The biggest question mark for me is that secondary. You got a really good running back in uh, Kenneth Walker. You got really two really two good receivers and um, Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor. Now the question mark about Jalen Naylor, I think it was his ankle mm -hmm. that made him leave the game early. Is he going to be fine to play? But then you got play players like Connor Hayward. You got other players that can play. And I think Peyton Thorne is a legitimate quarterback. The biggest question mark for me though, is that secondary. Cade McNamara had his best game at the university of Michigan Saturday against that banged up secondary and you just got to start filling in holes. You got to start answering these question marks. If you want to go on the road and beat Ohio State, if you want to then go on and win a Big Ten championship and have a shot at the college football playoffs. But like you said, Dawson, going into Purdue, now Purdue's not the Purdue we've seen in previous years, but they have that big win against Iowa. So they're, they're ready to knock off another top dog. And I think, I really think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be fun. I mean, look, this is what you play for. And Purdue, believe me, they understand what's at stake and they understand how they could impact Michigan State's season in this game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. I think it's going to be a fun game. Uh, it's, that's, that's why I love college football. Every Saturday, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, last week there was a couple that got knocked off where you're like, wow, you know. But other than that, you know, you're looking at a lot of these Big Ten teams down the stretch. They got some tough competition. And, you know – they just got to play it safe, you know, sure. play to their strengths, and they might be fine. But, you know, at the end of the day, may the best one win. Yep, that's what you do.
moving on to the NFL or moving on from college football to the NFL. The Lions are currently the only winless team. They are 0-8 right now, had a heartbreaking loss to the Eagles. They've had some close games. They played Green Bay close in the first half. They lost on the NFL record, breaking cake from Justin Tucker. Looking at the Lions this year from last year, obviously the uh, coaching change from Matt Patricia to Dan Campbell. What's the biggest difference you see in like Patricia's philosophy versus Campbell's philosophy to the players right now? Well, I think Campbell's more of a player's coach. I think Campbell is more of a player, a coach that invests in the relationship that he has with his players. And I think it resonates more with his players. Now, you know, that being said, the biggest change is obviously from Stafford to golf. Um, Stafford willed them into games last year. Um, and, and to be fair, did it with a much better supporting cast. Having Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, and Danny Amendola is a lot different than what they're playing with this year and what Jared Goff is dealing with the wide receiver. So, I mean, those are the biggest differences. And, and I think, too, that when Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell came in, they decided we're rebuilding this thing. We're tearing it down to the studs. This is going to be a year where we look at it and, and try to figure out what we've got and which guys can be part of the solution here. And that's what they're doing. Now, that being said, um, they have had some, some gut-wrenching loss to Baltimore and, and to, um, you know, to Minnesota as well. And then, you know, you can't do what they did against the, against the Eagles. That was their worst game of the year. You have to play better than that. There's a baseline expectation that you have in this league, which is that you're going to come out and compete and play to the best of your ability or somewhere near that, and they weren't even close against Philadelphia. Having that big game on the road against the Rams, they were in that game probably through three quarters, and then Matt Stafford did what Matt Stafford does best, pulls away at the end. What was the biggest difference for the Lions with, with that game on the road against the Rams, where, by the way, they scored 10 points in the first two drives. They had the touchdown, and then they had the um, onside kick, the, uh, the um, fake fourth down conversion what's the biggest mm -hmm. difference from the Lions from that game to the Lions for the Eagles well I would take it a step further and say that it wasn't necessarily Stafford doing what Stafford does he played a role in it but the Lions also had the ball at the 12 yard line with five six minutes to go with a chance to take the lead and turned it over and that was that was critical so I, I think that the, the biggest difference was in execution. The biggest difference was in the way that the guys played. I mean, you know, they, they went out against the Rams and really competed and did what they had to do and got some second half stops against Stafford and got him off the field and got the ball back. And you didn't have that against Philadelphia. So they it, it's again, you go back to just competing and, and having a, 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 an effort of ex, an expectation of effort that's going to be there week to week. They've had two clunkers this year, Cincinnati and Philadelphia. And those games were not acceptable to anybody in that organization and shouldn't be acceptable to fans. And, and the players know that. And they got to come back and play better here in a week and a half when they take on the Steelers. Dawson, any thoughts? Yeah. You know, Dan hit the nail right on the head. You know, ever since Dan Campbell, you could see, you know, the players really, really, want to play under that guy when the, when Matt Patricia you know was head of the Lions the players just you know the morale just wasn't there yeah and Dan Campbell you know he changed the whole thing you know he was you know players are like all right I want you know I'm gonna I'm gonna play for that guy you know he's a great coach you know he's you know he's really interacting with the players really positively and you can see that you know and that's how you really start to rebuild the team like 
you know, you get a coach that, you know, players really enjoy, and then you just go from there. You know, you, tr- you find the pieces of the puzzle. And, yeah, you know, well, that's the, that's, that's the biggest thing that let's – I mean, at its core, guys, they need more talent. They need more players. And you do have some kind of built-in equity when you come in as a new coach that players are going to give you some leeway. And I think he's earned it too. And I think he is the kind of guy that's going to resonate. Matt Patricia, it, it just – when you're not winning – um, you can you can lose the players very quickly. And over the course of three years, that's ultimately what happened. And they didn't win. Uh, they weren't hearing the same things from him that they were hearing before. The voice doesn't resonate like it used to. And you know what? If Dan Campbell's not winning for three years, it's going to be tough on him too. So, you know, you got to find some way to improve that roster and get and start playing some better football. And that'll be mostly... Um, the off season when they go about improving that roster, but the rest of the way you got impressed upon these guys who are playing for jobs and you're playing for, you know, the name on the front of your Jersey and the name on the back of your Jersey. And that's what they have to do. Yep. But I think a big thing about it as well is the coach's attitude. Remember in Campbell's first press conference, his introductory press conference with the lions, he made the comment about we're going to get knocked down and we're going to come back up. As we come back up, we're going to take off a kneecap. And we're going to get punched back down. And then on our back, our way back up, we're going to take off the other kneecap. And in the end, we're going to be the ones on top. It's just that attitude that Campbell's had from day one. And he, I think, is showing his true self to the players where Patricia never really did that. Patricia never really, I feel like, I shouldn't say care about his players, but it's just, I feel like Campbell has that, that um, connectivity to his players that Patricia never had. Yeah, I think there's some of that. But again, I think you, you ultimately that that has a shelf life where you have to show them everything that you're doing is working. Um, and again, I'm, I'm a big Dan Campbell fan. I liked him as a player. I think he's he's got what it takes to be a good coach. But ultimately, again, it's wins and losses and wins and losses will come down to their ability to improve that roster. And then for this coaching staff, which I'm also very high on, to improve the players and and develop them once they come into the system. Kind of Anthony Lynn, he obviously coached the Chargers last year, got hired in as the offensive coordinator. What's his, like, message to the guys on offense right now? Is it kind of let's, like, kind of go back to the basics or, like, let's kind of build on what we've got so far? I think it's a little bit of basics and I think it's trying to figure out a way to take and get the ball down the field. I think it's a little bit of basics in terms of, okay, let's get back to, you know, what we didn't do against Philadelphia, running the ball, um, protection up front, uh, keeping the quarterback upright, giving him time to throw and to then, you know, really trying to figure out something they haven't been able to do through eight games. And that's, you know, get the ball downfield, get some chunk plays that aren't, you know, four-yard tosses and 20-yard runs. They need to throw the ball 20 yards downfield to get something good that happens from it. It's really tough to live in this league if your drives have to be 10, 12, 13 plays every time because you're going to make a mistake. And when you do, you're going to end up punting the ball or giving it over or something like that. So you need some chunks along the way, and they're just not getting that right now. So that's that's the biggest focus. Uh, Yeah, I've noticed, you know, teams that really rely on that ground game kind of scheme in the NFL, you know, if their top dog goes down as running back, you know, they fall back on, you know, your average Joe running back and the NFL, you're just like, wow, I'll even say this, you know, the Browns, you know, they had the best 
running duo, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and they're both hurt. And now you're looking at the Browns. They can't – you know, Baker's not playing great passing-wise. You know, they relied so much on the ground. And, you know, now they're losing these games because, you know, they can't convert in the air. You know, Although they that kid, the young man yeah. that's come in for, to play for them is really, really good. So, yeah. um, you know, sometimes it's systemic. Sometimes you can slip those guys in one for the other. But you got to have everything. And right now the yep. Lions don't have Jarvis Landry to throw the ball downfield to. They don't have some of the weapons that Cleveland is working with. So, um you know, they don't – Coach Campbell said it many times, they don't have that margin for error like some other teams do. Right. And you don't have that until you improve your talent level. Yeah, they don't They don't have that kind of lifeline player, you know, where they can go, hey, we're third and seven, you know, hey, right here. You know, they don't have that lifeline player right. yet. I mean, even look at the team that made it to the AFC Championship against the Chiefs last year, the Bills. They – the connect the um I'm not gonna use the word connectivity again. The chemistry between Diggs and Allen. And by the way, that was in a season where they didn't have a preseason. There wasn't that ability for quarterbacks to go out and learn the new wide receivers. They had to do that all on their own. It was third and seven. Let's hit Diggs for the first down, or let's go hit Beasley or something like that. The Lions don't have those receivers right now. And so for the Bills, I saw a stat saying today that Josh Allen has the longest streak of making 20 or more yard passes in the air without an interception. That's kind of the play the Lions need to start making is just being able to force the ball downfield a little bit more versus, you know, handing it off. Kind of like what I feel like that's going to be the Titans a little bit more is they're going to rely on Tannehill to get to the ball, to get the ball to receivers like Julio Jones, AJ Brown, because they don't have that running back that can take it 20, 25 times a game. Because let's face it, Adrian Peterson isn't the Adrian Peterson we saw in Minnesota in the early 2010s, late 2000s, early 2010s. That's not the Adrian Peterson, and I think the Titans know that. But Adrian Peterson, we saw it in Detroit last year. Adrian Peterson can still work your work his way for yards, but you got to be able to throw the ball as well. This isn't a running league anymore. This is turning more into a passing league. you got to be able to force the ball down the field with long passes. Ideally, you can do both. And when you can do both, one opens up the other. And when right. you don't have one, teams in this league can take one away. So it's really difficult. If you start running the ball well, safeties will come down expecting the run. And that's when you can hit, you know, right. your receivers on the go routes or stuff. And even vice versa, if you're having success, you know, hitting those receivers on those 30, 40 yard routes, start hitting the ball off because those safeties are going to start, you know, inching backwards, expecting that deep pass. And so, you know, linebackers and cornerbacks where then that's when if you got a good offensive line, you're going to be able to run the ball well when those defensive backs start to you move back a little bit you are 100 percent correct that's exactly yeah. how you got to play it and when you can do both it gives you a lot of options yeah i'll even throw i'll even throw this out there so you know if you're a team that's coming in you know i'll even i'll put the steelers out there steelers have a horrible run defense they're you know they're usually on the bottom half of the league in run defense they have a really great pass defense but i'll go back to your thing Derek. if you're only good at one Say you're good at, you know, you're really good at passing. Look at the Chiefs, for example. Yeah, you go into the game, all right, we're really really great passing, but we have nothing on the ground. And then, you know, it kind of relays back to, well, if you're both, you know, you could be like, all right, we're going to, you know, fake it, fake a pass, and then boom, hand it off, boom. You know, there's a first down, maybe even more. But 
uh, vice versa, you're looking, you know, okay, you know, we're not really a great strong running team, but this defense, you know, they're really great against the run. Well, we're going to hit a guy going right down the middle pass, you know, it's just, it's about transparency in the NFL really. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're trying to, okay, we're good at doing this. How can we make ourselves better down the road? And we need to improve on this point and this point, this point. And, you know, what do we need in order to do to make ourselves like the Chiefs, you know, those other teams that are like really good. Best teams can do it all. Yep. Yep. I think that's the thing about the Chiefs that teams are starting to understand is teams are starting to figure out Patrick Mahomes. They're starting to give Patrick Mahomes looks that he's never been able to be successful with in the NFL. And it's starting to show they've lost, they've lost games that last year they win. They beat the Bills twice last year, once in Buffalo, once in Kansas City, lose on Sunday night football to the Bills. Remember, they needed a game-winning field goal as time expired to beat the Giants Monday night football. It's Yeah, and I think you can say, okay, this isn't the Patrick Mahomes we've seen in previous years, but I think it also goes back to that defense where that defense really can't stop the run right now. And so teams are running the ball more against the Chiefs, knowing that they're not good against stopping the run. Yeah, it is. Their, their defense is taking a step back and they're forcing Mahomes to throw more underneath, which has been a challenge for Kansas City to stay patient. And that's what they'll have to overcome. There's no doubt. Well, that's going to wrap up episode three of Cheap Seats. Once again, I want to thank Dan Miller for coming on, spending some time with us. And thank you, Dawson, for coming on. And um, any last comments from either of you? Well, uh, thank uh, you, let Dan. me say this. Uh, you're very welcome, Dawson. I appreciate you guys having me and just keep doing what you're doing. And it's great experience that you're getting and you ask great questions and you have a great conversation. So just keep doing what you're doing. You guys are doing all the right things. So uh, proud of you guys and look forward to ha you having me back somewhere down the line. We would love to have you back on in the springtime. Hopefully by then we'll be in the podcast studio so we can kind of have you in for in the podcast studio finally we've we've been we've had you on twice and both times have been over zoom so hopefully hopefully soon we'll have the podcast studio open back up i'm hearing well, um possibly in november or december that'll be ready for us to get back into i'll say I'm this, ready for it know, fellas you know dan you've been on more than brad galley so <laughs> well brad's a good man i'm sure he'd be more than happy to join you guys as well so all right uh, fellas be good all right Thank you. Yeah, thank you for your time. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. And that'll do it for episode three. See you guys later.